Welcome to the School of the Word. This is Lesson 5 in our teaching series, a study of the Book of Acts with Paul's writings, titled Chapter 1, Part 2. Our teacher is Alan Smith. Good morning, saints of God, students of God's holy word. We do thank you for being with us this morning. All right, Acts chapter 1 again, as we proceed in this teaching, this understanding, laying a lot of groundwork as we have approached this book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 1. If you'd like to see some of the background, which is very necessary, I think, in going into the book of Acts. I also have some papers, I don't know if I have them in here, of how the chronological order, if you will, of what happens in the book of Acts. And uh, this teaching is a study of the book of Acts with Paul's writings. That's very important because the book of Acts lasts 32 years. Then Paul writes eight to 10 of his writings are written during the Acts period of 32 years. Paul's first writings didn't come out until uh, probably 18 years to 20 years. He wrote 1 Thessalonians after the church was born at birth in Acts chapter 2. So a lot of those things are interesting. They're more than interesting because it shows us the book of Acts is what we call a transitional book. Transitional book means that things are in transition. And as things are transitional and in transition, that means that uh, new information, if you will, is imparted through the transitional time. We also call the book of Hebrews a transitional book because there's so much happening in the, in the book of Hebrews that you can tell that there's a lot of transition. The book of Hebrews has a personal application to the church today, but it is also a book written kind of outside of time if you would like to read the book of Hebrews and read it in light of a Jewish believer in the tribulation period. What will the Jewish believers pick up? One of the first things they'll pick up and run to is the book of Hebrews. And so when you see that it's written in light of that, that's not to say it doesn't have application to us today. It most certainly does. Because the book of Hebrews is including the understanding of all the previous writings. So you got the book of Hebrews out here later after the Acts period, and you got that book of Hebrews out here. But it's including all the understanding of 40, 35, 40 years of the church. Then Paul writes, got the written the book of Hebrews. So anyway, we'll be looking at some of that and why it makes a difference in our Christian walk and how we apply Scripture. Now this is lesson five. We're still in chapter one, and believe it or not, I will pick up my pace here because I've laid a lot of foundational work and understanding in the first four lessons. Now, I'd like to have just a little thought, a little saying here. What does God say about transitions in life? Last week, I think I had a quote that life is just one big transition. You know, we keep moving, transitioning along. Here's what the scripture says. And the Lord, he is that doeth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsaken thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. So even though life is in transition, God knows that it's transitional, and he also has a transitional verse for us here to not fear that he will always go with us. Now let's look at an overview of Acts chapter 1. I'll be using the scripture here, and I use a, most of my sightings of scripture will be a King James version. You can just say I'm getting old if you want to, that's fine with me. Here's chapter 1. 
Now in chapter 1, we see the resurrection ministry of Christ. Now remember, the last part of Luke, Jesus, he starts to ascend into the heavens. We pick up then in Acts chapter 1. So part of Acts chapter 1, we're actually calling the resurrection. It's in the resurrection ministry time of Christ. It's in an apostolic commissioning. We'll get that in chapter 1 here. We do have what we call the Great Commission, but then we have what we call the apostolic commissioning here in chapter 1. We have the promise of the return of Jesus to the earth. And that's very important, chapter 1. Here, Jesus is going to be taken away. He's getting ready to leave out. He's taken away in the clouds. But he talks about his promised return. Now, I've spoken about it before. It's a most of Christendom today, believe it or not, they claim over around 60% of the church today believes in replacement theology. And what that is basically is that, yes, God was talking about a literal kingdom, but when you get into the church, it's really talking about just a kingdom in your heart. It wasn't a literal kingdom. It was a, a kingdom in your heart. But you see here in Acts, I already have to take, I got a problem with that theology because right here in this chapter one, Jesus promised he's leaving, literally leaving, and he's promising that he's literally coming back. So you got to do something with that verse. Is he in our heart? Yes, by his spirits in our heart. Here he's talking about a glorified body, a new return, a literal return, and he speaks about that in chapter 1. Now we'll also get to, in chapter 1, you get into what's called the 10 days of waiting on the Spirit. It's where Jesus tells him that. We'll look at that. We have the choice of Matthias or Mathis, ever which interpretation you have. Now, in the introduction here in Acts 1-1, if you want to look in your Bibles, or you can look here also on the screen, the former uh, treatise, Have I Made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. The former treatise here refers to the Gospel of Luke, which we've mentioned. The book of Acts is the Luke, volume 2. If you want to understand more about the book of Acts. Read the book of Luke. It leads up to Acts, and then you just take right on off in the book of Acts. Luke addresses Theopolis as a prominent man, a responsible person whose name indicates a close walk with God. That's what the name means. And here we see the former writings. Now, in the introduction, the book of Acts is continuing. It is a transition between, now watch my terminology here. It's a transition between the kingdom message and the church. The church, when it comes on the scene here in Acts 2, it's new terminology talking about the church, the ecclesia, the church here. So we have a transition. Why do we call it a transitional book? Because it's a transition. It's between the kingdom message and the church. Now, the earthly kingdom message unless you get into types and shadows and you really got to go deep. But the kingdom message in the beginning did not include the church message. But the church message did include the kingdom message. That's the reason I say two includes one, but one doesn't include two. Now, it doesn't end up there, okay? I'm just saying, where are we in Acts 1? You've got a literal kingdom message, and we're getting ready to go into a spirit message here. The kingdom was offered to Israel first in Acts, and they rejected it, which we know that. Now, Israel rejects that message for basically 32 years, all the way up to Acts 28:28. The Jewish nation rejects that message, and I've already done the outside parameters of that message in Acts 28:28. It's a prophecy done by Isaiah. But we know, everybody sitting in this room knows that they rejected it, and they're still rejecting that Jesus is their Messiah. 
Through their rejection, salvation was offered to the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles could were coming into the message of the kingdom, but kind of through the back door. Part of the revelation of the cross of Christ is there's neither Jew nor Greek, right? There's neither bond or free. Well, that's later revelation. That's later understanding. That understanding wasn't in the first part of the early church. It wasn't there. The way the Gentiles were to come into the kingdom was through the Jewish nation. Problem was that the Jewish nation did not accept Jesus as the Messiah. They didn't get to first base because they just couldn't hit the ball. They just struck out every time did not get to first base, and let's look on into why. The book of Acts is a record of all of these different things that occurred to fulfill the prophecy upon all flesh, not just Israel. Now, that's the prophecy of Joel. Prophecy of Joel is upon all flesh. It wasn't just upon the nation Israel. So we see that that prophecy of Joel was including Israel, but it was including the possibilities of everybody on the earth. Now, I've mentioned this before. Pre-Abraham was what we call the day of the grace of God. God had a people, Israel, which started with Abram, changed his name to Abraham. Abraham, where did the Jewish nation start? With Abraham. He was the first Hebrew Jew. Prior to him, God just dealt with the earth. God's not doing a new thing. He's getting back to his old thing. So what we see happening in the book of Acts is God saying, okay, I've chose to do the nation Israel, and I was going to give the truth, my truth to the earth through a nation called Israel. That was God's plan. Now, God also had a secret plan. The nation Israel was to be used as types and shadows. The nation Israel was created to show the heart of man. We think Israel failed. Just look at your own life. Right, we can blame Israel all we want to, but nation Israel was a type and a shadow of all of humanity. But also, this, the nation Israel was a distraction unto Satan because God had a secret running underneath. And it's hallelujah. And it's that secret that we see in, the, in Ephesians 3. It's that secret of the church. The church was a secret hidden in God that had not been told in old prophecy. Yeah, it's kind of hidden here and there. Like go to Joel, pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Well, you wouldn't get that till you got to Acts 2 when it happened. And then you can see God's pouring out his spirit upon all flesh. So when Peter declared that, you got to understand that the disciples were in disarray. What do you mean? How could he, he's supposed to pour it out on us. Then we give it. And then all of a sudden, Peter has his dream of the sheets coming down into the gym. It's just like well, God, this is not supposed to be like this. But we see that it's a prophecy of Joel being fulfilled. It's the fulfillment upon all flesh. So we start seeing unfolding of the secret of God of what he's up to. And the secrets of God, you got prophesied program. You got prophecy running up here. You got prophecy. Let me put it up here. You got prophecy running here. And you got the secrets of God running here. Okay? And prophecy starts sliding away and secret starts being revealed. So we're living in the day of the revealed secret called the church age, called the grace of God. That's the reason you can't get any closer. Boy, this is going to get me. You can't get any closer to God in this day. I'm saying as far as God's concerned. You can't get any closer than the day you receive Christ. Now, here's why. Just keep, I'm not saying you can't know more about God. I'm just saying you're standing with God. 
is the best it'll ever be the first day you receive Jesus, as it'll ever be, because you have been fully restored in the sight of God. So I venture, how can that be improved upon? Now, my knowledge of God can increase. I can grow in understanding. But me growing in understanding doesn't make me any closer to God. I'm close to God 100% because of the work of Christ on the cross, called the grace of God. So it's no works. No means zero. There are none. There's no works that you can do. My friend Peter Lord used to say, he'd stand in front of a group of people, and I've done it here a couple of times. I'll do it again. He'd say, how spiritual do you see yourself? One being not very spiritual, 10 being just like Jesus. And he'd ask that question. People say, well, I'm a two, I feel like I'm a three, I'm a four, I'm a five. And, and then Peter said, no, you're all a 10. You're as spiritual as you'll ever be. Now, we've got this lifetime to walk in and to figure out what that means, but the bill's already been paid. We're going to college, but the bill's paid. We're learning, but the bill's paid. We want to learn more about who we are in Him, but the bill's paid. And so we need not to be taking up too much of this earthly time. And you see, that's the reason in church that Christian, we get messed up here all the time. There's not one Christian more special than another. Can somebody hear me? We're all a 10. There's no special. There ain't nobody more special than another. We want to put a preacher or a speaker or somebody up on a pedestal. And then when they fall, we say, oh, woe is me. I'm like, we're not to be up there. It's not the way it works. I couldn't stand before you lest I knew that was the truth. I know there's a number of people sitting out here who do a much better job than me. I realize that. But I also realize this. God put me here today, and it's not mine to give away. Is that all right? I battle with that. I know you do too. God surely could do better than him. I'm in the same argument. But I have to yield and say, okay, God, where you put me, I'll do it. Whatever you do, I'm, I'm going to do it. But I'm going to tell you the truth. There's nothing in me being here that's any more special than you. We all understand that, and we all know that. So as we're into the book of Acts here, and this all-flesh thing starts showing up, this prophecy, God's goal was to return this whole thing, and He ultimately will pre-Abraham. It's the grace of God, totally grace of God. just spoke with mankind. That's where we are today. Forgive me for getting a little sidetracked there, but there you go. Here's the trap many fall into. Israel has been denied all the promises God made to them. This is called replacement theology, championed by the Catholic Church. Now, we understand that the Catholic Church needed that so that it could declare their pope to be like Peter. So Catholicism is we have replaced Israel. And so, and the reason that that had to be done is to give the church some special power. So man thinks. The church has no power. Jesus has all power. That's the reason we want Jesus to be head of the church. Can there be times that we pray and God move on behalf of our prayers? The answer is yes. You know what's honest truth? I'm going to be very honest with you here. I've prayed for a lot of things, and you'll have to think about it too. And I've had a lot of answered prayers, but it's always after the fact, and I'm not there to take the credit. Has anybody noticed that? I've seen God answer a lot of prayers, and I think, well, that, yeah, oh, God. Why 48 hours later? Why not when we couldn't see you do it right then, God? And he said, because you don't credit so we have a lot of miracles happen. A lot of things happen. It's usually after we have exited. You've heard it said, Elvis has left the building. When we have left the building or the scene, then it's amazing how many prayers are answered by God. And I'm so glad it's that way because if you think that you are immune from the virus that's worse than the one I can't mention on Facebook, it's called pride. 
No one in the room is immune from pride. And time and time again, it's been proven that if you brag on man too much, it goes to his head, just the way it is. So the way we cannot do that is we can love each other, but not blow smoke, I call it, at each other. We can encourage and not blow smoke. I guess that's a redneck term. Meet me after church and I'll explain it. The book of Acts is a transition from the kingdom to the church. And the book of Revelation is the transition of the church back to the kingdom. You see, the book of Acts, you're going to see, you got the literal kingdom of God, and you got, you're going to see Israel working through that thing until all of a sudden it's the, you're going to have these Gentiles that are going to come into the, with the Jews. But you've got to understand, the Jewish Peter and those guys preached until they died that Jesus is the Messiah. Israel, you need to repent. You killed the king. It just so happens that's true, but a Gentile believer later on said, I rejoice in the cross of Christ. It's in him that is the forgiveness, the blood, shed blood of Christ, that is the forgiveness of all sins. You see a little bit of the contrast there and why there was a little bit of a problem, not a problem. It's just that they had to trust each other immensely. Peter and the 12 had to trust Paul immensely that what he received was from the Holy Spirit. And then when Paul shared with them, Peter said, ah, that's what that is. John said, oh, the grace of God, I get it. And that was years on after they got together and they started sharing with each other what God was doing. So they totally understood that the kingdom of God was in your heart and that they were all still looking for the return of Christ. It's not one or, it's both and. Israel is Israel. God will fulfill the promises. The church is a secret being revealed. We are grafted into those promises. We get it all. We get heaven and earth. My land, speaking, somebody. If we really grasped what I just said, we would get old-timey Pentecostal Baptist and run around the church waving the flag. If we really and truly got a hold of what I just said. Let's move on. Now, introduction that goes into verse 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. So, two things are happening. There. He's taken up, and then he gives commandments to the apostles. Now, listen, you've got to watch the book of Acts. It is, the Holy Ghost did not waste one single verse. It's packed full of information. It's just a little short book. And it's packed full of information to last till eternity. So you got to look at every word, every line. So we got here, we see that he was taken up. Taken up is mentioned four times in this chapter and it's referring to the ascension. Talking about the ascension of Christ. It says there he was taken up. Now the resurrection ministry of Christ, we're going into verses now in your Bible. You'll see it in verses 3 through 7. Now, this is what I'm calling, this is kind of an outline that I'm giving you, if you could say. We're doing verse by verse, but it's also, I'll group some of the verses. And this is what we call the resurrection ministry of Christ in 3.7. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being sent of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. 40 days here. He was speaking to them of things pertaining to the kingdom. Forty days. This is the only place that this period of time between the resurrection and the ascension is mentioned. You got the resurrection, 40 days, we got the ascension. That's a little special time. And Jesus is instructing them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Don't in your brain, don't go way ahead and insert things into the kingdom there. He's talking about the earthly kingdom. He's talking about the Abrahamic and Davidic covenant kingdom of God. 
Now, we see 40 days here. For 40 days the risen Lord had been instructing the apostles as New Testament Christians. We are impacted even more by the resurrected Christ for the hope of glory. A lot of people wear a cross around their neck. Some people have Jesus on that cross, and a lot of people don't. Most evangelicals don't have Jesus dying on the cross on their neck. They just have a cross. The reason that there's a theological, not a theological, just a whatever reasoning behind that, that is we're more impacted by the resurrected Christ. It, our emphasis, yes, has not anything to do with his death barrel, but the resurrection is the last mention we have of Christ on the earth. And so the last mention... I mentioned that to you earlier, that you have what's called in hermeneutics the law of last mention. And so the last mention of Christ here is about his ascension. So we tend to emphasize in our lives the ascension of Christ more so, I hate to say it that way, really, than the death on the cross. We, we do the cross stuff, not that, of course, it's huge. I'm not trying to minimize the cross. I'm trying to maximize ascension. Because as believers, in the day that we're living in, if we don't get hold of the message of the ascended Christ, we're going to walk around a bunch of depressed-looking people that love God and were sad and were pathetic. The true power of Christ in today's church is understanding the ascension of Christ and the power in the ascension of Christ and who we are in Christ. And I'll get into that just a little more as we keep going through the book of Acts. So just understand that we're about the ascension of Christ. This is the hope of glory, as you know. It says for 40 days, they had talked about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In Acts 1, 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. They're just hang out there, but wait for this promise of the Father that's coming to them, which saith he, ye have heard of me. Now, an interesting point here is that these first four verses are all one sentence. As you go back to it, read it. Read it all as one sentence is so interesting. He tells them to do what? For some reason, that is a go word for God's Holy Spirit. Go wait. Wait on the Spirit. Go wait. I'm just letting you know up front. That is a go word of the Holy Spirit. If you hear that word, it's probably the Holy Spirit. Wait for what? Has anybody ever said that one? John 16, 7 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, I am on a quest. And it's a personal quest. It's between me and God and his Holy Spirit. I'm sure a lot of y'all could help me, but I'm asking you not to. I'm on a personal quest to discover more of what this comforter is that's coming unto us and coming unto me. I know everybody's ideas and written, I've read the books and I've done all that. But then I got to take all that and I got to put it down to my The comforter, who is he been to me? Is that okay for me to say that? That I can have a personal, and I've got to know where I am before I can leave. You can't leave from where you're not. You can only leave from where you are. So I have to establish in my own heart and mind where I are in my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm not satisfied with it. I got a feeling I'm the one that's holding it back. But I promise you this one thing. I'm still here five years from now. I hope you can tell that I have met more of who the Holy Spirit is in my life. I hope that I have greater revelation of who He is. I'm not just saying that. I really mean that. Because if all there is to the Holy Spirit is what I've experienced so far... This is not against the Holy Spirit. There's got to be more. There's just got to be more. 
because there's more in this Bible. There's a lot more that I have yet to experience. I'm not saying I got to experience it all, but I would like to experience a little more. And it's not even something to showboat. It's not something to say, hey, look here, I can do this or I can do that. Because if I'm trying to do that, guess what? I'm not going to get it. The greatest movements I've ever seen of the Holy Ghost, which I know were movements of the Holy Ghost, not an individual did anything. We just worshiped God and the Holy Ghost moved around the congregation. There wasn't nobody special that laid on hands. There wasn't nobody special that, that blew on you. Or It was just the Holy Spirit of God was jumping around the congregation like popcorn. God was doing incredible things. And there's something about us abandoning ourselves more to God is the one who does things. It's more of us abandoning ourselves to that truth that it allows him to move. Can anybody hear what I'm struggling to say? Because God will move. The good news is he doesn't need our help. He just needs our humility. Listen, if you think one more good song is going to make God move, you're, I'm sorry. If you think one more good whatever somebody can do is going to make, I'm sorry. It's that we have the ability to yield to God. The greatest thing we bring to the table is our ability to yield. Keep your mouth shut and let God be God. Amen. The Holy Spirit has been very active upon planet Earth, but is sent to the church in a very special way. Is what we're going to see in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit's been here. But when you get to Acts 2, you're going to have this prophecy of Joel. That's going to be a special deal. How the Holy Spirit, you see, Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, interacts with the church differently after Acts 2 than when he walked on the earth. Yeah, Jesus walking on the earth, everybody hung on every word he said, then he's gone, he sends his spirit. Now you got a hundred million people saying, well, God told me. Is that not a scary thought? The only good part about replacement theology, you got 60% of Christians keeping their mouths shut because they don't think they can hear from God. You'll get that in a little bit. In the resurrection ministry here in Acts 1, Jesus could only be in one place at a time when walking upon the earth, but his restraint would be lifted when he sent his spirit. Do you get it? There, my case in point. John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth is expedient for you that I go away. If I go away, not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. If I depart, I will send unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and yea, ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world will be judged. The first thing, if we can get past the first thing, we go on to the second. The first thing is the Holy Spirit's going to bring us unto repentance. First thing, first thing. Our best friend needs to be repentant. Here we go, Acts 1-5. For John truly baptized with water, but now watch this one, getting into a little baptism here. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Now, what is this baptism He's speaking about here. For John truly baptized with water. Okay, I got that. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So we got two baptisms going on here. One's baptism of water. One's baptism of the Holy Ghost. One gets you wet and the other one gets you hot. Right? Okay. And he says not many days hence. Ten days to be exact is the way it worked out there. It was ten days. Now John identified people with the kingdom by water baptism. John baptized people in water, so he identified those as believers of the kingdom, of the kingdom of God. Jesus would identify his followers to himself by his Holy Spirit. John, by the baptism of water, identified them to the kingdom of God. But this baptism that's actually performed, performed by Jesus identifies us with him. So do I identify with the kingdom of God? Yes, but it's via Jesus. 
Some people argue over the kingdom of God, but they won't argue over Jesus. Our first identification is in Jesus. There's anything happens in your life that's a miracle. If there's anything happens anywhere, what, yada, 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 it's because of Jesus, because of Him. Who is going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit? This is very interesting. This baptism includes the apostles, plus 120 of them, plus all who believed and will believe. So we got this baptism coming in Acts chapter 2, this baptism with the Spirit in Acts chapter 2. I know some people believe that when you get water baptized, you get the baptism of the Spirit. I understand a lot of the people trying to put the thing together a lot of different ways. The only problem is we got people being baptized in the water and all the Spirit. We got people baptized in the Spirit, not in water yet, and all of that's in the book of Acts. So which one are you going to use for your model? You don't. Let me tell you why. Did you know the book of Acts is a transitional book? God does all kinds of stuff in the book of Acts. He does it the way He wants to do it. And He's got it out of order just enough so we can't make some type of big theological stance out of it. He throws enough in there just to mess us up. He does. Just about the time you think you got him figured out, then he'll throw somebody else. They spoke in tongues. They hadn't been water baptized or nothing. Then you got somebody else that doesn't speak in tongues, but they're doing works and miracles. You can't get him pinned down to save your neck. The only thing you know is God does it all. And it behooves us to let God do it the way he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. I don't look for, I just, I give up on God a long time ago. That sounds wrong, don't it? But I'm serious. I give up and I just believe. I give up on trying to figure him out. Because when you try to use your intellectual mind to figure God out, he's put just enough speed bumps in the way that you'll hit it at 100 miles an hour and it'll throw you plumb out of the truck. And I'm honest with you. I've tried a lot of them. And that son of a gun, I said, God, why in the world did you throw that in there? Why did God throw the church right in the middle of this kingdom message about Jesus being the Messiah? Speed bump. I got a secret church. It's messed up the nation of Israel. They're like, well, God, that's not prophesied. I'm just telling you, it's the nature of God. It gets us down to this conclusion. Here's your Christianity in a nutshell. Trust God. If you get to a place, and those of y'all who's been in here that's had cancer knows what I'm talking about. Somebody said, you got cancer. When I, they told me I had cancer and I didn't have long to live, my theology was, oh, God. And I've said this before. I've even been first debt forward, but I, this is my prayer. I said, Jesus, I'm going to die, and I'm going to meet you pretty soon. I said, now, Jesus, and you might think this sounds arrogant. I'm just saying this is how desperate I was. I said, Jesus, I'm going to die pretty soon, and I've got a hold of your leg, and wherever you go, I'm going. Now, I said, Jesus, you might let go of me, but I'm not letting go of you. I said, if I go to hell, you're going with me. Now, you think I'm kidding. That's what I said, but I'm trusting you're going to heaven, and I'm going with you because I'm not letting go of you. That was my theology. My theology was, and that was just my honest conversation with Jesus. But my theology was, oh God, Jesus, I'm trusting you. And if you get your theology down, it's going to boil down at the end of it. You know, when we all leave from here, there's not but a few people around us, so you don't know what's going on inside our hearts. But when it's all said and done, it's our trust in Jesus. Don't know if I believe this right. I don't know if I believe that right, God, in your word. I did try. I enjoyed it, tried to learn more about you. But when it gets all boiled down, do you trust him? If you trust Jesus with bad theology, it'll work. You're welcome. I'm going to stop right there before I get myself in more trouble. Let's stand. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, it is our prayer that anything I've said about the book of Acts here, I pray, oh God, if I've said something's not of you, which is very possible, I pray it'll fall to the ground. But if I've said anything that's true of your word and who you are, I ask and pray, oh God, it would lodge in our hearts that we might be more like you. We might learn more about you. 
Lord, I thank you that we do not have to strive to be accepted by you. We might have to strive to be accepted by man, but not by you, because our trust is in the finished work of your son. You did it for us, Lord. I am so, 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 so thankful. And if I've been accepted by you, Lord, because of your son, that means everybody in this room and everybody watching online, they've also been accepted, counted among the redeemed. And Lord, we rejoice in that. Be with us this day is our prayer, O God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.